You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Pastor Rhonda. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Glory to God. All right, going to start tonight in Habakkuk. Yeah, that's back there where your pages are still stuck together. That's in the Minor Prophets. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. Habakkuk 2.3, it says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now, I'll tell you, every scripture I eliminated from my sermon this afternoon, for time's sake, Pastor Belinda hit. So you take Pastor Belinda's offering sermon and put my sermon, you put them together tonight, and you're going to have the full meal deal. I'm not even kidding. I had about six scriptures I eliminated, and I think she hit about all of them. Uh, But I want you to notice in the scripture, uh, it says, the vision is yet for an appointed time. How many of you have something that God has put in your heart, a dream, a vision, something you want to see come to pass, maybe that has not yet come to pass? All five of you. How many of you wouldn't raise your hands no matter what I said? Yeah, all right. If you don't have a dream, then you go back and get in God's face and get in the dream theater with God. Spend time with him, and before you know it, he'll be downloading to you his plan, his vision, his dream for your life. Um, But I want you to know that it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a career goal. It could be a desire to own your own business. It could have to do with family. Maybe you desire to be married or to have children or more children or no more children. (laughs) I got an amen somewhere. (laughs) Uh, I hope you're both in agreement there. Uh, Or it may be a a call to something in ministry. But regardless of what it is, that dream is huge on the inside of you. When it was first placed in your heart, you grabbed hold of it. And that thing is alive in you. How many of you can testify that that is so tonight? All right, well, I want to talk to you tonight about how to bring that dream to pass. How to bring it to pass. You know, when God puts that down on the inside of us, we want it now. Do you understand? But that's not often how God works. He said in this portion of Scripture, put it back up there, guys. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. The words translated an appointed time is the Hebrew word moad. And the definition is properly an appointment, i.e. a fixed time or season. There is a fixed time or season for the fulfillment of what God has placed in your heart. Earlier this year, uh, Pastor Mark kept praying out that we as a church body have an appointment. There's an appointment coming, and we're not going to miss our appointment. Glory to God. This week, uh, Dr. Rallo was encouraging me on the way over. She was telling me some things that she had picked up in her heart that she didn't say in the services, uh, but she just said, you are right on time, right on time in the plan of God. How many of you know that's a good thing? It's a good thing to be right in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. God has promised to bring to pass that which he has placed on the inside of you. But he said it is at an appointed time. Verse, put, Just leave that scripture up there till I tell you otherwise, guys, because I'm going I'm to stay here a minute. He said, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. Shall is the strongest word in the English language. It shall speak. It shall speak. And what's it going to say? I came to pass. I came to pass. I came to pass. Why? Because it's coming. What God has promised you is coming to pass. There's not a devil in hell that can do otherwise. They can't stand in your way. No human can stand in your way. No devil can stand in your way. Glory to God. At the end, it shall speak and not lie. 
How many of you know God is not a man that he should lie? Has he not said it? Will he not then bring it to pass? Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. That is an unfortunate translation into the English that's caused its meaning not to be clear. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Though it tarry, it will not tarry. Do you see what I'm saying? Those words translated tarry there are actually two different Hebrew words. When the translators put it into English, they just used the same word for both. But the words translated tarry here, uh, uh, the very first one means it, though it delay. Though it delay, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not be late. Ha, ha, ha. That's what the Young's literal translation says. Though it tarry, it will not be late. Tarry means to delay. So though in your eyes it might look like delay because we wanted it yesterday. He said, though it may look like it's being delayed, it will surely come. It will not be late. He will never be too late for you. Glory to God. Woo! God has spoken to every one of us at some point in our lives. He's placed dreams within our heart and given us visions of things that are yet to be. But I want to ask you a question tonight. Where are you with those things? How many of you know life, time, and the enemy have a way of sucking the life out of our dreams? Sometimes we start out and we, we got the promise of God and, and, and we're just going along and we believe it's going to come to pass. And then life just kind of beats the crud out of you. You know what I mean? And you wonder, did I even hear right? Is it ever going to happen? Is that thing ever going to come true? Because it's show enough, looks like it ain't. And that's terrible English, but it's good teaching. It doesn't matter how long it's been since God spoke those things to your heart. Are you listening to me? It doesn't matter how impossible those things may now look to you in the natural. I don't care if it's been decades since God spoke them to you. I want to encourage you tonight to dust off your dreams. Dust them off. Take them out of the back of the closet. Stir up those things of God within you and dare to believe that what he has spoken to you will come to pass. Do you dare to believe? When I was praying this afternoon about this message, these words kept running over in my heart. How to make the dream God gave you come true. How do I make the dream God gave you come true? And I kept feeling like it was a book title. So I Googled it. And up popped Pastor Kenneth W. Hagen's book by that name. And the Lord said, you've got that book. And I said, I do? I wasn't even sure we had the book. I tore the office at home apart and didn't see the book. But Pastor just brought in like dozens and dozens and dozens of books from home to put in his office bookshelves. So I called Bethany and I said, Bethany, go check it out. See if there's a book here by Kenneth Hagin Jr. called How to Make the Dream God Gave You Come True. And guess what? Pastor took it to church a few weeks too soon. <laughs> but we found it. Now listen. When I read this book this afternoon, it's very thin, I was so touched as I read how God fulfilled the dreams he had placed in Pastor Hagen's heart. 
This book was written in 1981. That is 38 years ago. Guys, I want you to put up that picture of him. This is what he looked like back then. Do y'all remember what he looked like when he came just a few months ago? He's 41 in this picture. That was the year he wrote this book. But I want to read to you out of it. I want to, but I want you to put this book into the context of where he was 38 years ago. Rama was seven years old. They had just started it, just had a few classes. He had really not even hardly stepped over into his full ministry. But he outlined in this book the dreams that were in his heart. He said, many years ago, God gave me a dream when I was an 18-year-old student at Southwestern Assembly of God College in Waxahachie, Texas. That's a mouthful, Waxahachie, Texas. As I knelt praying one night in my room, I saw myself preaching to huge crowds of all races. I'm 41 now, but I've never forgotten that dream. So it had been 23 years since he had that dream when he wrote this book. Are y'all with me? So at 41, in the picture, leave the picture up there until I tell you to take it down. He wrote that 23 years ago, God had put a dream in his heart. He said, for a while I took a church. He graduated high school, graduated college, went into the army, married Miss Lynette, became associate pastors at her daddy's church in Texas, all right? Uh, he said, for a while, I took the church and was going to, pa- I took a church and was going to be pastor. Then one day I realized I'd laid that dream that God gave me all those years ago on the shelf, and I had to get it out, dust it off, and put it back down in my spirit and begin to do what God wanted me to do. If I had stayed at that church, I was then associate pastor, it would have been mine. It was all set, but that wasn't God's plan. He had to remind me of my dream. I had to get hold of it and go with it again. God gave me a dream to go around this world and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been in Africa I'm going to go to the Philippines. I want to go to England where churches are closing by the hundreds. I want to go to the uttermost parts of the world to minister. You understand when he's writing this book, he's 41 years old. He's just started Rhema. He's not done any of the things that we know he goes on later to do. But he's enumerating in this book. He's laying out the plan of God as God had downloaded it into his heart, though he hadn't done any of it yet. He said, I've been to Africa. I'm going to the Philippines. And I want to go to England. How many of you know, only the Lord knows how many nations they've ministered in by now. All these years later. How many of you know his dream came to pass at last? Though it was given 23 years before this book was written. And now he's 80. He just turned 80 in September. That means now, 62 years after God downloaded that dream, it's it's fulfilled in his life. At the time he wrote this book, the dream was already 23 years old, and it was just in the infancy stages of him seeing it brought to pass. I wouldn't even know how many nations he's ministered in. I've ministered in 30-some myself, so he had to minister in hundreds maybe. How many of you know that dream came to pass at last? 
He goes on to say, I've had a vision too. This is all just dreams in his heart. Of building overseas centers to teach native workers. The day of the white missionary going in and doing everything is over. He can go in, however, and teach national workers to do the job. How many of you know at that point, they were just seven years in with Rama? They, they only had a few graduates. The thought of, of him planting schools in other nations was huge and beyond him at that time. Today, Rama affects every inhabited continent of the world. There are more than 70,000 students that have graduated from over 200 Rama tra Bible training college campuses around the world. Glory to God. I don't know if that touched your heart or is touching your heart the way it touched mine. Because I know as I'm reading this book, he, he just has a dream in his heart. And now looking back, we can see the glorious, glorious manner in which every aspect of that vision has been brought to pass. Traveling to the nations was point one of the vision God gave him. And Lord knows they've done that. They have their own jet to make it easy, Re easier. Rama campuses in the nations was point two of the vision God gave him. Let's read on. I have a dream and a vision to take people from Rama Bible Training Center to go around this world and establish churches where people will preach the truth of the word of God to these people. I don't know how many churches have been established by Rhema graduates around the world. I believe in the United States, it's, it's like 50,000 that have been established just in the U.S. It has to be hundreds of thousands across the world. How many of you know that dream in his heart looks so impossible? They had a little bitty Bible school. They had, uh, you know, maybe 10 or 15 students uh, each year. It didn't look like much of anything. But God put a dream in the heart of the young man when he was 18 years old. 23 years later, he enumerated it in this book. And 39 years after that, we can say, it came to pass at last. They were just a dream in his heart from God. None of the things that he had in his heart had come to pass except that he administered in Africa. But he kept walking. He kept obeying. He kept believing that what God had put in his heart would come to pass. And now it has. Earlier this year, Pastor Mark was praying out about an appointment coming for us, a time appointed for something. And Dr. Varala was sharing with me personally that she believed we were in the fullness of time on some things, that it's time for them to come to pass. How many of you know what's on us comes off onto you? Listen, we don't have 62 years more. I don't believe. That means God has to do a quicker work with us. I'm so glad. 62 years is a long time to wait. How long is it going to take? However long it takes. If you're willing to wait forever, you won't have to. Did you hear me? If you're willing to wait forever, you won't have to. Th this is going to happen. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how long it's been. It will come to pass at last. For in the Amplified Classic of, of Habakkuk 2.3, it says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, and it hastens to the end or fulfillment. It hastens. It hurries. 
It will not deceive or disappoint. Though it tarry, wait earnestly for it, because it will surely come. It will not be behindhand. How many of you know that ain't language we use today? On its appointed day. I'm glad we don't have a behindhand. It's not going to be behindhand on its appointed day. But what has he spoken to you? What dream has he placed within your heart? Now is the time for you to take those things out and review them. If you've never written them down, now is the time for you to do so. Over the years in the flyleaf of my Bible, those blank pages at the back, I have written various things that we've been believing God for. And one by one, we've been checking those little suckers off. I tell you, if you've never written down the dream that's in your heart, I want to encourage you to do that. Habakkuk 2.2 out of the King James said, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry, it will be on time. Glory to God. Write the vision, he said. Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. How many of you know if you don't know where you're going, then you're never going to get there. No, write it down. Where are you headed? What has God said? Write it down. Keep it before you. Keep it before your eyes. Why? So you can run. So you can run with it. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, people take that and say, see, his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher and we can never understand them. But is that what it says? No, he tells us. He downloads them to us. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. This is God talking. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. His words, when they're spoken to you, do not return to him empty. Glory to God. They accomplish that which he pleases. He doesn't waste his breath. He doesn't say things he doesn't mean. Whatever he says, he means. And if you'll believe it, he will bring it to pass at last. In this verse of Scripture, it says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Verse 11. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now, the message is a paraphrase. He just says in more modern language what the Scripture is saying, so don't spend a lot of your study time there. But I do want, sometimes he can say things in a way that we can get it. So he said in verse 10, Isaiah 55, 10 out of the message, just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry. So will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. 
His words are not empty, and they're not going to be found at the end of your life to be empty. He intends for them to be done and to accomplish what he sent them forth to do. He said they'll complete the assignment I gave them. They will complete the assignment. They will complete their assignment. The words that God spoke to you will be completed. It will be fulfilled. I want to look at the words that the angel Gabriel said to Mary as he was telling her about her future and, and the fact that the Christ was about to be conceived on the inside of her. Luke 1, 37. Let's look at it King James first, guys. Can you put up the King James? I know I'm throwing you a curveball. Can you put up the King James first? Luke 1, 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God... With God, with God, nothing shall be impossible. But I want us to look at it in the Amplified Classic. I love this. I have won so many battles with this portion of Scripture, and it ain't funny. God has worked miracles off of this portion of Scripture. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. We can stop right there and have a Jericho march. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. Well, Pastor Rhonda, what he spoke to me, it looks impossible from where I am. How in the world am I ever going to get to what he said? How in the world is this ever going to come to pass? The how is his business. Your job is to believe. I don't understand the internet. It doesn't stop me from getting on it. I don't understand how an airplane with all those hundreds of people and their bags and stuff can get off the ground and fly through the air. But it doesn't stop me from getting on and fastening my seatbelt. In other words, my point is, I don't know how he's going to do a lot of things he does. But wow, he does them. Why? Because he's seen the future. He's seen the future. He proclaimed the end from the beginning. Clear back here, when you were just beginning, he saw the end and he told you what it was going to look like because he's been there. He's been there. And it is in the future. So he just told you about it. This is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do for you. How oh, glory to God. For with God, nothing, guys, leave this scripture up, is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. No word from God shall be without power. No word from God is without power. God's words are containers. And inside of those words that he speaks to us is the power to bring it to pass. Glory to God. Oh, I come on. I don't think you're, you're getting it the way you need to. What has he spoken to you? You and your children shall serve the Lord. Did the Lord tell you they're coming back? If he told you, they're coming back. Doesn't matter what they're doing now. Doesn't matter what they're doing. They're coming back. Because God said they were coming back. Well, I don't know how to get in my career from where I am to where God said I'm going. Hey, you don't have to know. You just got to believe his words. Why? Because within the word that he spoke to you is the power to bring it to pass. Listen to me. 
We have women in this very church who got a hold of this scripture and brought forth children without the equipment to bring forth the children. To this day, the doctors can't figure out how they had a baby. And they not only had one, they had two without the equipment to bring it to pass. Are you hearing me? This scripture that I'm giving you. Last time the doctor saw her, she said, you know, I, I think you're, you're past the childbearing age, but what do I know? <laughs> There's no way that you should have the two that you have. It's unexplainable. No, she believed the words he spoke. And the words he spoke had the power already in them to bring forth that which he spoke. And so as she took those words and brought them inside of herself and believed them and became one with them, that power was released. Glory to God. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. But you have a part to play. Number one, you have to believe him. How, how, how Lord, how, how are we going to bring these dreams to pass? How, how am I going to get from where I am to where you said I was going to end up? You have to believe what he said to you. That's the start. You have to believe that he will bring those things to pass no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter how much time has passed, no matter what the circumstances around you would dictate, you have to believe it. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. I found your words. Whether it be a word from the word or whether it be a word he spoke to you. When you find those words, you have to eat them. And I don't mean tear a page out of your Bible and eat it. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes, you know, people don't understand our Christianese. When I say you need to eat the words he spoke to you, that means you just need to take them down inside like you would food that you've eaten. Receive those words down on the inside of you and let them, let them uh, digest. Let them circulate down there. Think about them. Meditate on it until it's a part of you as much as every organ on the inside of you is there. His words are that much a part of you. You know, I used to tease my daughter and uh, when she was really, really little, maybe about three or so, she'd eat a chicken leg, you know, a, a drumstick. And uh, a little while later, I'd go, I think I feel it. I think I feel that chicken leg in there. He, he could be running. And, she, she, you know, she's just a little girl. Finally, she's like, oh, Mom, stop it. You know, because she chewed it all up. You understand there wasn't a whole chicken leg down in there. Um, but, but my point is, you've got to digest his words and take them down inside of you and let them become a part of everything that you do, everything that you are. What is it that God has spoken to you? You have to eat it. You have to receive it. You have to believe it and let it be such a part of you. They, the devil couldn't possibly separate you from it. Because it's just a part of who you are. Luke 1, out of the Amplified Classic says, For with God nothing is ever impossible. 
and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. It is not possible to be impossible. No word from God is impossible of fulfillment. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. All things. All things. His words contain the power to bring forth that which he's spoken to you. But when he speaks, you must believe him. You must contend for what God said. Speak it. That's number two. This is point number two. Point number one, you have to believe him when he speaks. This is how we're bringing our dreams to pass. Number two, you must contend for what God said. Speak it. Declare it. Decree it. But I will say the majority of your speaking, declaring, and decreeing should be in your own private time with God. You don't need to be sharing all those precious things of your heart with just anybody. Why? Because people are not going to understand. Now, you have people in this room who might understand, but I'm talking about the world as a whole. People are not going to understand. They may try to discourage you because they don't want you to exceed them. When God speaks to you and tells you something he's going to do for you, not everybody's going to be happy to hear it. Just ask Joseph. Matthew 7, 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine lest they trample them underfoot and turn again and rend you. Is Jesus calling people names? No, he's pointing out that some people totally lack discernment of what is real in the spirit realm and what is possible. And they lack discernment of the precious things of your heart. How many of you know, you know, I know people think their dog is going to go to heaven. But your dog isn't born again. Now, whether it's going to be there or not, I won't argue with you. I know there's animals in heaven. But the point he's making here is give not that which is holy unto the dogs. How many of you know you could take your Bible out there uh, to your dog who loves to chew on books and you say, now, Fido, this is the holy Bible. This book is holy do you understand? This is holy. This is precious. And you set that book down, how many of you know he's just as likely to tear it up as he is the Reader's Digest? Why? Because a dog has no discernment of what is holy. Neither do a whole lot of people in your life have any discernment of what is holy. So God says don't lay your holy things before them because they're going to tear them up just like that dog would. He said, don't cast your pearls before the swine lest they trample them under their feet. How many of you know a pig doesn't know the difference between a pearl and a rock? You could take a giant pearl out there and you say, okay, Mr. Piggy, now this is really valuable. So I'm just going to set it here, but we don't, we don't want to hurt this, this, this pearl because this is really valuable and precious. How many of you know he's going to trample it into that muck? Lay on it? Do other things on it that we ain't got time to talk about? Why? Because he has no discernment that it's precious that it's valuable. 
How many of you know, unfortunately, there are people in our lives who are like that? Who are unable to discern when God is on something? They're unable to discern what is holy and precious and valuable before God. So he's saying just don't share it with them. Save yourself a lot of trouble. How many of you know it happened over and over in the Bible? Joseph shared the dream God gave him with his brothers. Pastor Belinda already hit on it, but I'm going to hit just a minute. Genesis 37, 19. And they said one to another as he was walking towards them one day in the field, Behold, this dreamer cometh. How many of you know they were mocking him? Oh, here comes that pie in the sky, wish it was so, uh, dreamer. We all know his dreams aren't ever going to happen. Then they took him and threw him into a pit and considered murdering him. But ultimately sold him into slavery. But listen to me. They could not stop the plan of God. For Joseph, it came to pass at last. David, when he was about to slay Goliath, his brothers disdained and mocked him. 1 Samuel 17, 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, when he heard, uh, heard when he spake, when David spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? With whom hast thou left those few little sheep in the desert, or in the wilderness? He said, I know thy naughtiness and thine, I know the I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. How many of you know he humiliated him as David was getting up his courage to face Goliath in the name of God? His brothers mocked him. His brothers humiliated him. Now this is a bunch of guys, a bunch of soldiers. You know they laughed. David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? David was trying to get up the courage to step out and fulfill his destiny and his brothers publicly embarrassed and belittled him. What is my point? It doesn't matter if those around you are without discernment and don't believe in the dream God put in your heart. Just let them go. Don't share it with them. Forget about them. What matters is whether you believe it. The only thing that matters is whether you believe it. The scripture says to wage a good warfare with what God has spoken to you. 1 Timothy 1.18, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. I tell you, you may not have gotten a prophecy, but with everything God speaks to you, you have to war a good warfare. Just because God said it doesn't mean it's automatically going to come to pass. You have to believe it. Then you have to wage a good warfare with it. What does that mean? That means that even when things aren't looking like they should be, we say, Father, I believe you. In spite of how it looks, I believe you. Father, I trust you to bring this to pass. Now, Satan, you take your hands off of whatever it is. My children, my money, my spouse, my whatever. You got to war a good warfare and make sure that you do your part. Listen, somebody that I was talking to, they didn't want to have to speak their faith. So they said, well, God knows what I believe. But how many of you know confession is not for God? 
Confession is for the devil and for you and for angels and for anybody else that listens. Why? Because you're declaring and decreeing a thing. Your declarations of faith make it so. In Jesus' name. You are speaking into existence that which is not currently visible. Father, I believe you. I trust you. I trust you that you are not a man that you should lie. That thing that you've spoken into my heart, it shall be brought to pass in its fullness, in its entirety. Father, I believe you. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. It shall be in Jesus' name because it's not acceptable to be any other way. You can't have a tap out point. If you're willing to wait forever, you won't have to. How long is it going to take? However long it takes, and I'm in the battle till I win. Got to get a little chutzpah. A little stick to itiveness. Little attitude sometimes. Then obey what he says. How many of you know in Pastor Hagen's life, he didn't go from that 18-year-old boy knelt by his bed in Waxahachie, Texas, when God downloaded that dream to it being fulfilled overnight. Every step of the way, he tried to be led by the Spirit of God. He joined the army, served four years, got out of the army, married Miss Lynette. Uh, became an associate pastor for her daddy at the church. Every step of the way, trying to be led. Every, all the way, he's gaining tools. He's, he's, he's meeting people. God's positioning him for the greater that was yet to be. Then he reminded him that he was going to travel overseas, and so he left a sure thing. He left an inheritance of a, of, a, of a church, a large church for that time. A sure thing to step out into the unknown with God. From that traveling ministry, Brother Hagen prophesied about Rama and prophesied that Ken and Lynette were going to make it so. Much to everyone's shock. So they founded Rama Bible Training College, which led to everything that now is in the fulfillment of what God spoke to him. What is my point? You don't wait on the Lord by watching TV and eating bonbons. Well, what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. You know, I'm just waiting. I'm just going to sit here and watch the soaps and eat the bonbons with my feet up. When the time is right, God's just going to drop it on me. No, that's not the kind of waiting on the Lord we do. This is the kind of waiting we do, like a waiter at a restaurant. Hi, I'm your server. What can I do for you today? What can I get you? What do you want? That's what we should be saying every day to the Lord. Pastor Rhonda, I don't know how to get from where I am to where he said I should be. You get there with one step of obedience after another. Just one step. What does he want you to do today? Do it. You know, sometimes people come to us and they say, you know, they're almost breathless with, with anxiety. I, I, I want to fulfill the will of God. I, I, I want to do, do the will of God in my life, but I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I want to do it, but, but I don't know what it is. Listen, every day, go to God and say, what can I do for you today, sir? And if he gives you a prompting, you do it. How did Pastor Kenneth Hagin get from his dorm room at college 
to being an internationally known minister, literally impacting every inhabited continent of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One step of obedience at a time. Today, he did what God said. Tomorrow, he, he's going to do what God said. The day after that, he, he did what God said. And that's going to be true of you too. If you want to get to the end of your life and find that you perfectly fulfilled the will of God, then just obey every day. Whatever little thing it is that he tells you to do. Why? Because everything he tells you positions you for the greater. Corey Tinboom said, everything God asks you to do is the perfect preparation for the future only he can see. Why? Because along the way, you're, you're meeting people. You're building relationships. I tell you, we went to Cracker Barrel on, on Monday and had a divine appointment with an, with an internationally known minister who was in Cracker Barrel, our Cracker Barrel. I mean, you know, we went there not knowing anything, but that seemed good. It's a Cracker Barrel day. Every day, Father, what do you need me to do? What do you want me to do, sir? Whatever it is, I'll do it. Whatever it is. Miss Bridget, I want you to come up here. Thank you. I need an usher. Give me your hand. I have said these things to you personally. Uh, this is me, Rhonda, speaking. But now I say them publicly. Within you is the gift of the evangelist. And it begins, begins to manifest within you the accompanying gifts with signs and wonders and demonstrations of the Spirit of God, demonstrations of the power of God, God backing up your words to people. When you obey his promptings and step out, that equipment within you has been activated to a measure. And in fact, while you were in Ecuador, you stepped over. But you do not have to wait for Ecuador. Believe. Believe. Receive it. Confess it. Fight for it. Believe it. Command it to be. And many souls, many souls will be brought into the kingdom in the most miraculous of ways. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.